Okay, good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's 11 o'clock there on the clock, so I think we'll, we'll make a start right on time. Um, good morning. Welcome to church this morning for our service. Uh, it's good to see everyone here this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ethan Boyd. Um, I'm a member here uh, at this church, um, and I'm filling in this morning because our minister, Sam Winnie, is uh, based in holidays. Um, he's going to be coming back next week. Um, it is a pleasure to be able to welcome you to the service this morning, to Adelaide Road, um, and to be able to gather together to worship the one true God together. If you are a visitor here this morning, you are especially welcome. Um, and even if you have... Ooh, it's got a lot louder. Um, and even if you have just started coming to this church recently, um, you're also very, very welcome. It's good to have you here with us. Now, this part of the service uh, is called the call to worship. Um, and the reason why we have a call to worship is basically to stop and remember why we're here this morning. And that is to worship the Lord our God. Um, however, as I was preparing for the service this morning, I thought a little bit about how it's not always easy to come to church, is it? Sometimes we can be tired, we can be sick, we can be stressed, we can be distracted. Um, and normally whenever we have the call to worship, we, especially during summer, we kind of have a look outside and see, you know, it's a nice sunny day, we have a happy Sam to kind of start things off. Um, but I don't know if you had a look outside this week, the weather was quite miserable, quite depressing. Um, so I thought maybe people wouldn't be in, in the best of moods this morning. Um, so I thought that I would start off by reading uh, a couple of verses from Philippians chapter 3. Um, and basically the context of this passage is that Paul is in prison um, and he's suffering. Um, and basically he's writing from, from that point of view, from the context of, of suffering and not having everything go his own way. Um, but what he kind of spends time talking about and what he wants to convey is what is truly important to him, which is knowing Jesus Christ. Um, so I'm going to read just a couple of verses from Philippians chapter 3, um, starting at verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. So as you can see, Paul is suffering hugely in this passage, and he's reflecting on the things that he's lost, the things that he's given up in his pursuit of his ministry, in his pursuit of, of knowing Jesus Christ. And that's what I want, to, want us to kind of take from that passage. So this morning, no matter what kind of mood you're in, if you're in, in a good mood, if things are going well, that's great. If things are not going so well and it's been maybe a little bit of a hard week, it's also good that you are here and that we can come together to worship our God. So I invite you together to, to do that this morning and we're going to, to start in worshiping him through our opening song, which is Light of the World.
Please be seated. And now let us commit this time and this service together uh, to God as we join together as a church to pray. Let's pray. Father God, Lord of heaven and earth, no one knows us like you do. You alone created us. You knit us together while we were still in our mother's womb. And you love us much more than we can ever truly understand or imagine. You are sovereign, Lord. You are faithful and you are trustworthy. You never fail to keep your promises and your word does not change or fade away. Your words, Lord, and your commandments are like treasure. Yet they are worth so much more than silver or gold. You have told us, Lord, that if we treasure your word, if we meditate on it night and day, that we will gain wisdom, we will gain understanding, and ultimately, Lord, we will know you better. Because you give wisdom and understanding. You teach us how we should live, how we should love, and you give us true insights. And yet, Lord, we confess that very often we do not keep your words. We confess that often we think that we know better than you and we try to do things our own way. We do not treasure your words, but instead listen to our own desires and our own thoughts, which often lead us astray. They lead away from the treasures that your word provides and into the sin that we commit when we rely on our own knowledge. Lord, as we are gathered here this morning as your church, we ask that you will soften our hearts, that you will make them receptive to your words and to what you have to say to us. Lord, it is so easy for us to be distracted or to fall into the routine of coming to this church every Sunday and yet not really engaging with you. Do not let us fall into the trap of keeping you in a box that we only open on Sunday mornings. Do not let the things that we sing, that we pray, that we read this morning go in one ear and out the other. Give us ears to hear and hearts to be changed by the incomparable wisdom that we find in your words. Lord, you know each and every person here. You know our circumstances. You know where we are with our faith and how we live our life. Lord, we pray that you will renew each and every one of us this morning the old and the young, the spiritually mature and the immature, if we have been following you for our entire lives or if we are still young in our faith. We recognize, Lord, that we cannot do this separate from you. We need you as we need air to breathe and water to drink. Your word is the light by which we see everything else in our lives. So, Lord, give us the unquenchable desire to follow you, to seek you, and to deeper immerse ourselves in the knowledge that comes from your words. And finally, Lord, we pray that this precious treasure that we have, our faith in you, will be valuable to us, that we want, and that we will want to share it with others. Help us not to be selfish with the knowledge that we have, but with joy and enthusiasm, share it with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends, with our colleagues, and anyone else that we know. Because deep down, Lord, we know and we realize the value of the treasure that we have. And we know that it is far too good to keep it to ourselves. 
So help us, Lord, in our words and our actions to share our faith with others so that they also may come to know you. Amen. Um, and so we're going to uh, read the, the Bible passage for this morning. Um, the, the Bible re reading this morning, it's a fairly short one. Uh, it's taken from Matthew chapter 13, um, and it's only three verses. And I think it should be on page 980 of your Bibles. Um, so just to set the context, I guess, of this, of this reading, um, there are two parables which are very, very similar, um, and we're going to focus mainly on the first parable in our, in our talks this morning. Um, in this chapter in Matthew, there are a lot of different parables uh, that Jesus teaches, not just to the disciples, but also to the Pharisees, uh, to large crowds as well. Um, and if we look, first of all, at verses 34 and 35, Jesus gives us the reason that he's doing this. So in verse 34, uh, it says, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophets. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So this is the context uh, that Jesus is speaking into and basically kind of the reason that he's, he's telling this parable. Um, so let's read verses 44 to 46 the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Amen. So the talk this morning is going to be split into three different parts. Um, and I think for the first part, I might need some help from, from any of the children who are here. I've got three volunteers right in front of me, but maybe there's some other ones there. OK, good. Uh, let me see if this is working. Perfect. So what is that? A map, yeah, a map, an X. So what kind of map do you think that is? A treasure map. Yeah, exactly. And where's the treasure on the map? On the X. On the X. Ah, very good. And if you were to follow that path there, you can see up there, and you get to the X, would you expect to just find the treasure there? Would it just be kind of sitting there on the ground for everyone to see? Or do you think that it might be hidden? It might be hidden, wouldn't it? And why do you think that that treasure would be hidden? Yeah, exactly, because it's valuable, because it's precious, because it's important. So the person who's created that map, they've gone to a lot of trouble to create maybe even some kind of codes or, or challenges or something like that in order to hide the treasure that they have. And they've basically made a map that hopefully only they can follow because they've got something that's so, so valuable to them that they've hit it there at that X. Um, and in the parable that we've just read, 
the man, he's going to find a treasure, but is he actually looking for a treasure? No, he's not. That's right. So he's just basically out working in his fields, and then kind of by happenstance, by surprise, he just kind of comes along and he finds his treasure there. And it's funny, actually, because something kind of similar happened to me this week. Um, so whenever I was in Dunleary last Monday, um, I was walking along, just enjoying the sunshine with, with my lovely wife. Um, and suddenly, my wife, Stephanie, she stopped and looked at the ground. And I thought, you know, what are you doing? Because normally, she doesn't look where she's going. It's quite strange. Um, but anyway, she stopped, and she looked where she was going. Um, and she found something on the ground. And it was 20 euros. So it was a very, very good day for us. We found something very, very valuable. It was great. Um, and I guess that's, that's kind of the point that sometimes you can find valuable things even when you aren't looking for them. But now the man in this parable, he didn't find uh, kind of money or, or something like that, did he? He found something else. Because in the parable that we've just read, what Jesus is talking about, he isn't talking about earthly treasures, the things that we normally think whenever we hear about treasures in you know, pirate movies or, or these kind of things. Because the treasure that Jesus is talking about is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And then maybe you're thinking, you know, what does that exactly mean, the kingdom of God? I think I have it up there as my next slide. There we go. Well, the kingdom of God, um, or the kingdom of heaven as it is here, is a very important phrase, not just in this story. It's mentioned quite a few times throughout the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 3, whenever John the Baptist is out preaching and making disciples, um, it becomes part of his message. And he, basically, he's out preaching and he says that the main, uh, I guess, kind of message he's trying to convey is for people to repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And in chapter 6, whenever Jesus is telling his disciples not to be worried, not to be anxious about the things of this world, he tells them to seek first the kingdom of God. And also in chapter 25, Jesus is telling his famous parable of the sheep and the goats. And that's where the sheep are the people that belong to him, um, and have obeyed his commands, and the goats are the people who do not know him. And what Jesus is really talking about there is about the, the coming judgment at the end of the world, and heaven and hell. And whenever he's referring to heaven, he talks about it as the kingdom that has been prepared for the sheep, for the people that trust in him, that love him. So the phrase, the kingdom of God, it's been used in a few different situations, and there's a few different meanings, so we need to, to work hard to keep those all in our, in our heads. Because in chapter 3, he's, he's using it to talk about Jesus and his ministry. In chapter 6, he's using it to refer to God and how he takes care of the disciples, and especially the relationship between God and man. And in chapter 25, it's used to talk about heaven itself, the place that God has prepared for those who love him and who serve him. Now, in the context of this, because it's always important to, to keep the context in mind, if we look back at the Old Testament, is that the prophets and God's people, 
were waiting for the Messiah to come back and to save them and to destroy Israel's enemies. So when Jesus came, as John the Baptist said, the kingdom of God was coming to earth and Jesus was that Messiah that they were waiting for. And he came to restore the relationship between God and man, which had been broken by sin. And why did he do that? So that those who have faith in him and trust in God can live in harmony with God in heaven for all eternity. So when Jesus tells us about the kingdom of God in this parable, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about how he himself has come to earth. He's talking about the mission that he has to save his people and to restore their relationship with God. And he's talking about the rewards for those people who accept him, which is to be with God in, in heaven for eternity. And I want, to think, I want you to think about that and keep that in mind as we sing uh, our next song, which is Seek Ye First the Kingdom of God. So when you're singing, really think about what the kingdom of God means. Um, so now I, I believe that there is children's church uh, for kids who are between three and eight years old. Um, so if there is anyone who is in three and eight years old, feel free to, to go out. Um, and that will be upstairs on the second floor. And as they're going out, um, maybe we will just have a quick read through these announcements. So you can open your order of service there to, to have a look at those. Uh, so you can see number one there uh, next Sunday. Um, Sam is going to be back. He's going to be preaching on John chapter 20. Um, and yeah, I would encourage you to, to pray for him um, and think about him as he's preparing that message. Um, because it is a lot of work to, to get up at the front and uh, prepare a message for all of you. So I encourage you to, to think about him and pray for him. Um, number two as well, also important, prayer ministry um, is going to be taking place over here uh, beside the organ. If there's anything that you would like prayed about, uh, either good or bad, um, whatever you want, um, it's, uh, I guess, a, a confidential prayer service where it's not going to be um, kind of any advice giving or anything like that. It's just a couple of people who will pray for you um, and lift up whatever you want before God. Um, number three, minister on holidays. Um, so I think, I'm not sure exactly which day Sam is coming back from holidays. So if there is any pastoral emergencies, um, it's probably best to, to contact your elder um, or, or steward as well, first of all. Um, apart from that, uh, number seven, I think, is, is a new one, or at least one I haven't seen before. Um, so Tyler McDowell is coming to study a master's program at Trinity College. Um, he's looking for a place to stay, which a lot of people in Dublin are. So if you, if you can help or you know someone who can help, um, I'm sure he would really appreciate that if you can, uh, if you can get in touch or help him. Um, apart from that, I think that you can uh, read through the rest of the announcements um, kind of at your leisure. Um, and before we, we kind of continue looking at God's word, we will sing again. 
um, and we're going to sing There Is a Higher Throne. So let's stand to sing. Okay, so now we've explored uh, what Jesus was talking about whenever he said the kingdom of heaven. So now let's have a look at the main character of the parable, uh, which I think I have up here, is the man in the field. Um, so there's a lovely picture of a man out working. Um, I think he's growing corn from, from what I found in Google anyway. Um, it's just a, just a picture to it to kind of help you really picture what this guy's doing and... Uh, kind of set the stage for, for this parable. Um, so what are we actually told about this man in the parable? Honestly, not too much. Um, just that he is a worker. Um, he's probably just going about his normal day of, of working, of, of farming, of plowing the field. Um, he's probably a little bit older, um, given that he's managed to to either save up enough money or he's, he's received his inheritance and that he's able to actually go and buy the field. Um, but in truth, he seems to be quite a normal guy, doesn't he? There's not a huge amount of, of uh, strange things or defining characteristics that, that stick out about him. Um, and really that's because the important thing in this parable is not who the man is, but rather what he does. So let's have a look at that a little bit closer. Because Ultimately, this parable is about change, um, what today we might call a conversion. It's a story of one key event that changes this man's life. One moment he has his own cares, he has his own priorities, his own worries, his own preoccupations, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, he finds something that completely changes his outlook on life. What was previously important to him is no longer important. The plans, the hopes, the dreams that he had for his life are all completely changed in one instant. And he only has eyes for one thing, the treasure that he's found. And even more, he's willing to give up everything that he has, everything that he's worked hard for over the course of his life, just to have this treasure. And that's truly the mark of a changed person of a converted person, isn't it? This man was once one way, but now is a different way. It's the same effect that we see uh, whenever we think about Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts. As Paul sets off on the road, he is intent on hunting Christians, on persecuting them, on killing them. But once he comes in contact with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, once he meets the person of the risen Jesus, he's completely changed and he'll never be the same again. Everything that he previously thought was important is now completely changed. And later in Paul's ministry, in 2 Corinthians, Paul himself, writing about kind of his, his change and also the change in others, writes that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. 
And I think that we can see this very clearly, not just in Paul, but also in this man in the field. The change in him is remarkable, and it speaks about the power and the significance of what he's found. Because this man has not found an earthly treasure. He's not had his dreams come true and won the lottery or, or found gold or, or something like that. But he's found the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. He has found a God who created him, who cares for him, and wants to have a relationship with him. Now, if you spend some time reading the Bible, you'll know that Jesus doesn't just tell his parables because they're nice stories. He's not there to, to entertain people or, or try to get some laughs. Because these parables that Jesus tells, and especially this one, are meant to act as a mirror. It's meant to reflect who we really are. And they're meant for us to think about our own lives. When I read this, and when you read this, we should think about our faith, we should think about our story, our encounter with this treasure. We need to ask ourselves, can I identify with this man? Do I see myself in this story? Have I found a treasure like that, that has completely changed my life in the same way as this man in the field? Now, these are not easy questions, and we will come back to them um, and look at them a little bit more after we've taken up the offering and after we sing a song of praise to God in You Are My All in All. So, so far we've talked about the kingdom of heaven and what that means. We've talked about what the treasure is and what the man's reaction was to finding that treasure, um, how his life was completely changed. Um, but before we kind of go forward, I don't know if you're asking yourself this, but there's a very important question that we have to consider before we go any further. And that is, is this guy crazy? Has he lost his mind? This is probably one of the best images you'll get in Google whenever you type in crazy man. Um, let's step back for a minute and imagine that you are this man's friend. Imagine it's, it's after work. You've both spent a long time slaving away in the field uh, you know, with tough manual labor. Um, so you go to have a coffee or, or a cold drink after work, whatever it was that they drank in Israel that time. Um, and you know, you're just having a normal conversation um, chatting about your day. And you ask, you know, oh, did anything happen, anything interesting happen to you whenever you're out working in the field today? Um, and he says, well, yes, actually. I found the treasure and I've sold everything that I, ha that I have to buy the field that I was working in just so that I can have it. What's your reaction in that situation? Would you think, you know, wow, he's gone crazy? He's risked everything that he has, everything that he has in his life just for this one treasure? Or would you think a little bit more 
and have a look at how he seems and see, you know, actually, he seems to be quite, quite sure of this decision. He doesn't seem to be having any regrets. And then maybe if you, if you analyze him, if you look at him a little bit more, you'll see that he doesn't seem to be uh, kind of weighed down by this huge decision that he's made. He seems to be quite, quite happy, quite joyful. And in fact, he is full of joy. Because if we look back at the passage, um, there are three very important words there. Then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. In his joy. Did you notice that whenever we first read the passage? For me, this was the most astounding and amazing part of this parable. Because in these words, it's crystal clear just how much this treasure meant to him. What the man did wasn't a, a calculated decision for him to, to become rich or to try to, to change his life. It was something that made him so overcome with joy just at the thought of having found the treasure. And it was immediately clear to him that this was greater than anything that he currently possessed. So instead of asking, you know, is this guy crazy? I need to ask myself, what was that treasure that caused him to sell everything he has and receive something in return that fills him with such joy? What could possibly be worth everything that he has? Well, we know already, don't we? It's the kingdom of heaven. Because that's what Christianity is all about, isn't it? Finding the kingdom of heaven. Finding a restored relationship with God, our Father, who loves us so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross, to take the penalty for our sins and to have that relationship together with us once again. It's the great exchange. Jesus Christ dies in our place and instead of the pain and suffering of hell, we get the riches and the treasures of heaven instead. And if whenever you first read the parable, you were thinking, is that a fair deal? That the man sells everything he has just to buy a field and this treasure that he's found? Well, the answer is no. Because both he and us as well as Christians receive infinitely more than we give up. And that should give us great joy because Christianity, it's not about reluctantly and begrudgingly trying to follow a set of rules and hoping that in the end, you know, we're good enough to get into heaven. It's about giving up what we want and instead living for what God wants. And that will bring us immense joy because it is only in relationship with God that we can ever have true joy. The first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism asks, what is the chief end of man? What is this all about, this life? And the answer given is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think we can see a bit of that in, in this parable. This man has given everything that he has to follow God and in doing so glorify him. And as he does that, and as he enters into that relationship, he receives a joy that is beyond all measure. Because that is what we were created for, isn't it? We were created in the image of God. 
and to have a relationship with him. And so what should our reaction be to this parable? How should we change the way that we live our lives or how we think about things? You know, maybe you are unfamiliar with the Bible, with Jesus, with, with Christianity as a whole, and you're kind of wondering what all this is about. You can find out about the treasure in the Bible, in the seat in front of you. And I encourage you to read this, to read about Jesus, to understand who he is, to understand what he's done for you. And it will change your life in the same way that it changed the man's life in the parable. Or maybe you believe in God, but you've not fully given your life to Jesus and decided to follow him. You haven't fully committed to living as a Christian and everything that that means, everything that you would have to give up to do that. Now is the time to do that. Now is the time to give everything that you have for the treasure that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you made the decision long ago to give up everything and follow Jesus, but you're feeling a bit discouraged in your faith You've lost the spark and the fire that you once had. Now's the time to recommit to the Lord, to remember when you first became a Christian, why you first became a Christian, and rediscover that joy that you have in your relationship with Jesus. But for all of us, no matter what stage we're at, we need to ask ourselves the question, is it worth it? Is it worth it to give everything in exchange for the kingdom of heaven? And when we search the scriptures, when we see who Jesus is, when we see what he's done for us, then we see that there really is only one answer to that question. And that's yes, it's completely worth it. Amen. Um, so now David Boyd is going to come and he's going to lead us in our prayers of intercession. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your work in our lives and for all the blessings that you shower upon us. Thank you for your love and the care that you devote to each one of us. But Father, our hearts are saddened when we see the state of our world. War and famine, climate change, natural disaster, nationalism and racism, hatred and greed. Everywhere we look, we see people suffering. Father, fill us with your love that we may look through your eyes at all the needs around us and help us to care with your loving and caring heart. In your mercy, Father, hear our prayer as we bring before you our own needs and those of the world. We pray for all those affected by the typhoon in China and particularly those who have lost loved ones. Father, we just ask that you would help the emergency services there to cope with the huge problems they face in dealing with uh, the scale of this disaster, Father. 
And Father, we pray for the families of all those killed in the mass shootings in the U.S. We ask that you would comfort them and help them to come to terms with something that is so completely random and senseless. And we pray that you would help the legislators there introduce sensible gun control so that these incidents would become a thing of the past. Father, we pray against the weapons testing taking place in Russia and North Korea and anywhere else that we haven't heard about. Father, may your spirit change the hearts and minds of men so that they would look for ways to help people rather than fighting with them. And Father, we pray today for reconciliation and forgiveness in our own lives, that peace in the world would begin within us. And we pray for your church throughout the world, that it may witness to the power of Jesus Christ, your Son. We pray for Christians all over the world, that the love of one another and their neighbors would prevail to establish peace in the world. And Father, we thank you for the Dublin International Outreach that finished last night. Thank you that so many students came along to the meetings and that some of them attended the Bible discussions. And we pray that you will continue to work in the hearts of all those who came along and that you will use all that was said to bring them to faith in you. Father, we bring before you our church and we pray for the manifestation of the Holy Spirit at work amongst us all. Be with our leaders, that they would be empowered to fulfill their calling for your glory. And we pray for the suffering and sick, for those in hospitals or nursing homes, and for those who are housebound. Father, we remember those who mourn, knowing that they will be comforted, and we pray, too, for those whose knowledge of your comforting love is absent. We pray for those who only think of themselves and don't appreciate the lives of others. Father, touch the hearts of those who are in a position to help, but use that power for their own ends. We pray for all those involved in helping the afflicted, that their work would be blessed with all they need. Father, we are conscious that where your love resides, there is wholeness. And we pray that your love for us and in us would be experienced by all those around us, that your name might be glorified. For we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And now as we've heard a lot about the kingdom of, of heaven, the kingdom of God uh, today, we're going to stand to sing our, our final hymn, which is Before the Throne of God Above. And now let's close our service uh, with these good words, which we say to ourselves and to each other. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.